This, this, this is straight, straight, straight out of Crumpton with your host, Greg Crumpton. Hello, everyone. We are back with another episode of Straight Out of Crumpton. I'm Tyler Kern, joined as always by the namesake of the show, Mr. Greg Crumpton himself. Greg, how are you today, man? Hey, Tyler, I'm doing great. I, I was just quickly uh, cutting my outlook off where I don't hear that <laughs> ding while we're having a conversation. So um, really, really uh, looking forward to today. Uh, beautiful day here in Florida for sure. Uh, it's definitely August. It's a little muggy and uh, a little hot, but uh, all good, man. Absolutely. You know, I, I get that that growing sense of dread anytime I'm doing, you know, an, uh, a podcast, a video, anything along those lines. And I feel my, my phone vibrate, you know, and like the more that it goes off, the more my, my anxiety rises so that I know that as soon as that interview is done, I'm going to look down and, you know, just be swamped all of a sudden with 30 things. Um, so it's, it's nice to turn those notifications off and just to unplug for a little bit. It is. But, you know, the other side of that coin is if it wasn't dinging, you may be in the unemployment line. So that's a good, good point. You're good. That, so. That's a good point. One person not in the unemployment line is our guest today. His name is Taz Sutherland. He's a senior facilities manager at Walmart, and he joins us here on the podcast now. Taz, welcome to Straight Outta Crumpton. Thanks for joining us, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm super stoked. been looking forward to this for, for several weeks now. Well, Taz, uh, I was just telling Tyler a while ago before we hit record that you and I have, we've had a digital relationship, but we haven't had a voice uh, initiated relationship. So it's really good to get to talk to you. Um, I know we, we share a lot of common interest, um, specifically around HVAC and facilities and all that good stuff that we both do to make a living. Uh, but I really enjoy your your dry what i deem as a dry sense of humor and your wit and sarcasm in a good way on the uh social media platform so thank you for keeping me entertained uh certainly fun to to catch up finally yeah i i appreciate that i've grown um what's crazy is during this pandemic is um um instead of sitting at home and and sort of crying about it which i i certainly did my fair share of that i believe but um you know i i did reach out i i ended up growing a lot of, you know, digital interactions through a lot of people, um, Rich Malachy, Josh Zolan, there's been a lot of people, yourself included, um, you know, that we've really sort of grown digital social relationships, ended up getting to meet Rich and Josh at a RIFMA event here recently. And um, we've done a lot of cool stuff like that. Um, and my dry wit, I, I think that solely to a, um, um, a healthy dose of growing up on a farm in Arkansas and um, PBS's um, unending supply of British comedy in the um, 80s. So, um, you know, that's sort of uh, <laughs> that's sort of where a lot of that comes from. Um, it's it's sort of grown into my adult um, maintenance professional, you know, smart, uh, smart, dry wit, if you will. Um a lot of people enjoy it. They kind of, I, I think there's a lot of people that I, I, I meet at these events and they're like, man, I don't know that I have, I would have ever said that on LinkedIn. And, and I'm like, yeah, no, no, I know. I know. I'm, I'm careful. Like, you know, I, I don't know that I would ever call a customer out by name, but you know, it's one of those things. Sometimes people are like, that's exactly how I feel. And I'm like, yeah, that's all it is. It's, it's, you know, you just a little, a little short vent and then we're going to move on with our day and, and fix some ovens or, or HVAC or, you know, tile floors or whatever else got broke today or set on fire, as it were. So, well, you surely get your uh, 
your your challenges i'm sure managing you know a retail space but i'm so i asked you recently when you post online you always put swfh and so rich uh maliki and i were talking we had a we had a chance to meet not too long ago up in new jersey and we're like what, what the heck does taz mean by that so we deducted still working from home. So I asked you that. You said, yeah, that's what that was. So how, how did that come about? How did you wind up with that little tagline? So um, um, it was it was funny. So March 16th, uh, 2019 was our first day. And I say ours, so Walmart corporate offices. That was our first day. 37,000 people um, were told to um, essentially pop a squad in your house. And we'll let you know when you can come back to the office, right? <laughs> so um, we all kind of went home. And as most of us did, most of us are used to sort of um, anywhere from a 30 to an hour and a half, you know, 30 minute to an hour and a half commute to work. Um, and then back in the evening. Um, so myself, mine's about a 45. So I, I would spend an hour and a half in the car every day getting to the office and back, right? Five days a week. And so I suddenly had this extra time on my hands. Now, a lot of that turned into extra time to do work, which uh, ended up getting me promoted, I believe. You know, certainly didn't hurt things, right? But I also had a little extra time to sort of start this sort of dry wit thing that I kind of picked up on, you know, LinkedIn. If you look at my posts, they really sort of picked up some volume um, right at that time. And at that time, I just did... You know, I think the first couple of weeks I said working from home and I started making jokes about there was a German shepherd that was blocking traffic this morning. And, you know, it was ridiculous. I, I added an entire 15 seconds to get to my office this morning. You know, I was just making these like commuting jokes like we're used to hearing, you know, people you hear it all the time. Right. I-95 is blocked and all this crazy stuff when in reality when you're working from home, right, your commute is from the bedroom to the coffee pot and some breakfast. And then you go to wherever you've set up your laptop for the day. Um, and then it, it got shortened to just WFH, right? That work from home. And then on the anniversary, right? So the next year that March 16th, 2020 is when I added the still working from home. And I made a big joke about it at that point, right? I was like, I'm, I'm going to have to add the still because our leadership is now saying they're not sure when they want us back in the office. So I'm still camped here and, you know, and, and sort of in the back corner of my house where my wife can't hear me and <laughs> I'm still clunking away at my spreadsheets and uh, trying to save money so everybody can live better. Right. And that's, um, that's sort of how it evolved. Well, I, I appreciate a lot of that. Um, I've got a commute too. And most of mine is dodging uh, iguanas on my way to the office. So I'm out here on the patio and they like to, uh, they like to visit and leave gifts overnight. So I'll say no more. <laughs> um, so Taz, there's one other person in my life uh, who I knew that we called Taz. And his name is Mike Dunn. He's a good friend of mine. He lives in uh, just outside of Atlanta. And we called Mike Taz because he acted and, and probably still does, even though we're much older like a Tasmanian devil. That's where he got his nickname. Um, so I'm curious where your Taz came from. Is it a shortened given name or are you a madman? So funny story. It is neither. Um, it has neither to do with the Tasmanian devil, nor is it a shortened name. 
Um, well, technically it is kind of a shortened name. So I'll tell this, um, I tell this story. I, I recently told this story for uh, Lisa um, on one of uh, Rich Malky's blogs. So if you go all the way back to the sixth grade and, and I won't tell you what year that was, it was, it was um, the last millennium. We'll leave it at that. Um, we had this, um, cultural exchange program, if you will. I don't remember what it was called exactly, but basically one of, I was in the sixth grade and one of the seniors from the school system that I went to would come to our, um, classroom once a week and teach us some Spanish words. Um, she was in the AP Spanish class, right? Sixth grade, um, young boy. A very attractive um, high school senior would come over and teach us Spanish, right? Most of us boys were smitten with her. The first day she comes over, she has this piece of paper that she passes around, and it is the name equivalents in Spanish, right? So you're supposed to go through. It has common English names, right? And you pick out your Spanish name right? So my real name is Thomas, right? Standard spelling, T-H-O-M-A-S. I got it from, it's uh, one of my grandfather's um, middle name was Thomas, right? Um, if you know the Spanish equivalent, you drop the H and you add an accent mark over the A, right? And you get Tomas. So pretty similar. Nothing, nothing hugely changed. Gregorio understands yep, that. Yep, yep. Now, my buddy sitting next to me, Stephen suddenly becomes Esteban. And I didn't think it was fair because his entire chain, his name changed and his entire name, like he is suddenly Esteban. And it sounded like some Spaniard with a sword that was just, you know, saving the day and wearing capes. And I just became Tomas, which just sounded like Thomas pronounced differently. So I came up with the genius idea to put a Z on the end instead of an S. I thought, you know, it's your sixth grade, right? Like it's whatever you can do to be cool and gain clout. And then where the Taz came from is I chickened out when it came time to write my name on the piece of paper at the end of the day. And I scribbled it. So all the teacher could make out at the end of the day was Taz and she says to the class, who's the smart aleck that wrote Taz on the piece of paper? And there's where the nickname Taz began. <laughs> <laughs> Weird little story, but... So a 12-year-old boy named himself. Yep. Love it. That sounds a lot like my elementary school, actually. <laughs> in, in kind of a different way, but... I was usually more in trouble than getting the joys of the joys of rural Arkansas. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. So you work for one of the most well-known brands uh, domestically and probably worldwide. I don't know the worldwide reach, but I know the domestic reach is huge. So tell us a little bit about your day to day there. Um, day-to-day -day has, so what's fun about this is the day-to-day -day has recently changed, um, uh, as I've now moved into, um, I've sort of taken over a larger sector of the equipment, uh, world with the recent, um, senior manager, um, job I've taken over. Um, but basically what we do is we are trying to, we sit at the top of the programs for the equipment, right? So we're looking at, equipment in the stores and we do analytics surrounding its lifespan, 
its end-of-life estimates, the cost analysis. And we do things like what it should cost to be in our stores, what it does cost right now to be in our stores, where the root cause of that difference is. And then we do things. Um, we also get into all those other long-term analytics, right? So that your work order analysis is uh, surrounding things like what, you know, where do we, where do we improve this process? What's the major break point in this? Why are we not getting eight years out of this equipment when the manufacturer said we could, is it, is the manufacturer the problem is the associate, the problem is our process. You know, it's that, it's that old, and I'm sure you know this one, right? It's that old man method machine factor, right? You should, you throw that in there and run that through the ringer every once in a while. Um, so we do that. I, I was in a role where I specifically was focused on a couple of what we call trades, um, like food equipment and um, uh, uh, automation and that kind of area. Um, now I actually have picked up several other trades, so I'll probably end up picking up like general equipment, pharmacy equipment, paint equipment, um, doors. I don't know. They're still working on on exactly what all of the trades that I'll get because um, we're going to be backfilling the position that I vacated and, and several things like that. So basically I went from managing around 75 to $80 million worth of programs to managing around $500 million worth of equipment programs. So um, pretty huge jump. So my day-to-day -day is um, ensuring that, you know, vendor compliance with the programs, service delivery models with the programs, um, figuring out what um, projects are out there that are driving process changes and improvements, what technology we can utilize to improve those process improvements and changes. And, and as you can imagine with the, you know, with an equipment footprint, the size of ours, there's a, there's a ton of firefighting that still happens. And there's a ton of, um, this is broken, stop what you're doing and immediately, you know, fix the broken process. And then, you know, you know, run through the old correction of errors list and, and prove and move on. Um, so pretty, pretty, uh, you know, chocked full day, day to day. Um, it's fun and exciting. I don't know that, you know, I know I get to the end of some days and I've pulled out what little hair I have left and, and then I, you know, Sometimes, you know, I think we all do that every once in a while. We're like, what am I doing in this business? But then you kind of look around and go, I don't know that I'd be good at any other business. So I'll get up tomorrow morning, <laughs> you know, sort of go at it again. And um, it, it's exciting, though. It's Yeah, it's a huge. We got 54. I got 5,400 sites that um, are sort of in my reach of, um, you know, control, if you will, for programs. So that sounds like a... Uh never-ending task which is good uh you won't run out of anything to do 20 years uh 20 years this november i've been well i love the fact that you're so young because um i have 40 years into this industry and i still love it um so i'm, I'm glad to see you got 20 in i i am curious though uh so as, as you know our the nature of our of our the, or the theme of our podcast here is typically relationships and how those relationships impact us day to day, hour to hour, career to career, what have you. And I would think um, without, you know, sitting beside you day in, day out, you really would have to require and have to really lean on your relationships at you know, a divisional level or a, a, even a store level to, to be 
a, a you know, for lack of a better word, a truth meter. Um, because sometimes when you're remote, and I know this from, from my dealings now, um, sometimes people, you know, it's hard to judge the, not the validity, but the, um, the, the degree of help needed at that given moment. Like, is it an emergency? Can I get to it tomorrow? Can it, can I come next week? And I would think you would have to have some really strong people, therefore relationships, to give you that that guide. I mean, how how does that work for you and all the people that you interact with? If you don't mind me tapping that vein. Yeah, no, no, absolutely not. So um, there's a couple of there's a couple of key things you have to work with on that, right? And I call it, you know, I the the two main ones that obviously I'm going to deal with on that one, right? Are, are obviously my customer base, right? So I have to, I have to develop those relationships with the customer. And one of the things that I try to, I try every time I'm dealing with the customer, I write a process for the customer. Um, you know, the store manager, the store operator, the store, anyone at the store that's wearing a Walmart badge with any name on it, right? doesn't matter what the name is. They're there. They're my customer, right? And people go, oh, so you mean people buying stuff at Walmart? And I'm like, no, no, no. That's not my customer. That's the store's customer. I am, my customer is the store itself, right? So I have to be improving the process that takes steps out of their day-to-day, right? So if they have an oven down and they have to guess what's going on with that oven, then I'm not effectively building a relationship with them or a process that helps them build a relationship with me. So in doing that, that is why I'm always thinking about. So when I load questions into, you know, and I joke about this on LinkedIn, right? Like my oven's broke. Yeah, what's it doing? I I make those jokes, right? But I do that and I always do that dry wit when I'm talking to operators so they understand that I'm not there pointing a finger. I'm not there blaming them, right? Because a lot of time operators will get defensive. Your customers are like, well, we didn't mean to break it. And I'm like, look, I'm not here to blame you. I'm here to solve your problem. I, but here's the deal. That's a that's a $30,000 oven. There's a lot of things that could be wrong with it. If you can help me figure out what's going on. And so you start to build that relationship with the customer and understanding that then they know you're not asking questions to blame them. And then you start to get that truth more and more and more often. You're still going to have people that aren't going to be honest with you. And then you still have a factor of people that just don't understand it. Right. So you're going to get you're going to get a bias information because somebody just doesn't understand how it works. So you constantly, constantly are working with, you know, people who are simply um, uneducated in the food equipment space, especially. Right. Like that's a big one. Um, We buy commercial kitchen equipment, but we don't hire chefs or line cooks even. Um, So that's a tough one. Um, So we, we spend a lot of time around that. On the vendor side, I partner with vendors that are going to build that honest relationship with me. And and one of the things that I've always said to vendors, um, you know, cause Walmart's got plenty of money, right? Everybody knows it. So I have people all the time coming at me, right? They're like, Hey, we would love to do business with Walmart. We love to do business with Walmart. Here's my key statement for opening the door with a partnership with any vendor, right? You need to be after my business, not after my money. If you're after my business, then the money's going to come, right? And so that opens that partnership door with you, right? Because if you are coming to me with solutions, right? If you are saying, hey, when we're in your stores, we see this. We think this could save you time and money. 
We think this could reduce the amount of times we have to go to your stores. We think this would be a better solution for you all the way around. Now you're my best friend, right? You're, and I know you are telling me the truth, right? And so now we become longtime partners and you make money off it. You're still making money off of it, but you're not chasing stuff and all of those sort of things. And so now that is like, that is the core focus of that. And every program and process I build sort of has that core focus at the base, right? What can I do to improve my customers' lives? And what can I do to improve my, you know, communication relationship with my vendors? Because they're in business to make money and I get that and they have a service that I need, right? So why play the game? Let's have that conversation and let's move on because I need them to fix something for me and they need to get paid. So let's be honest about it, right? If we're being honest about it, you'll continue to get paid and I'll continue to send you business and, and everybody's and my stuff gets fixed. My customer continues to be happy and it's this beautiful cycle, right? Yeah. And, you know, I think about that's the difference for me of how I define the word is partnership versus vendor. And if I'm in the, if my goal, and, and just so you'll know, my customer are our companies that we own and operate as service logic when I'm wearing my service logic hat so that, you know, I'm to, to your point that our, our company in, in Denver toll and mechanical, their customer is their customer. My customer is toll and mechanical to ensure that I'm doing all I can to help them be successful so they can go service their end user. Um, so I totally get that. And, you know, I think about it as, as long-term money versus a short-term hit. So if I'm, if I'm calling on you as a, as a vendor, um, you know, I want to do X for you and it's going to cost you X amount of dollars. But to your point, if I see that every time I go into your store and the, uh, condenser fans are clogged on the ice making machine, um, what can I do to tell you like, hey, we could do this and save you energy and save you maintenance dollars. I would think that's what you're looking for versus, hey, I want to do this for 50 bucks, you know, every week or whatever. Yeah, 100%. And and I, I get that a lot, right? I have a lot of people that reach out to me and they're like, hey, I was in your store. Um, I noticed this was going on with your equipment. And a lot of times I have... I have areas where, to your point, I have, like I said, I've got 5,400 sites that, um, you know, are sort of in my purview. If you do the math on that, right? Like if you honestly did a true walkthrough of a site, right? A Walmart site, which keep in mind, we average about 198,000 square feet per site, right? So if you did a true walkthrough on those sites, 5,400 sites, one person cannot do that in their lifetime. That's just not, that's, it's not possible, right? Like you can't, like, I don't, even in a 20 year career, you know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't know that I've been to even 10% of our sites and I've been to a ton of stores. So you have to, you have to focus on that, right? So a company that comes to me and says, Hey, this is what we focus on. This is what we can do for you. Can we talk? There's been a lot of times um, that I've said, yeah, you know what? Let's talk about these 20 stores in your area. I'm going to give them to you for six months because here's the deal. I'll be honest with you. Nine times out of 10, I'm already paying somebody to do that over there. And it looks like I'm, I'm not getting what I paid for. Um, if you held up your end of the bargain, right? Like, again, if you're after my business, not my money, 
then you get the business, right? Which means in the end you get the money, right? Like that's how it works. Um, because if, you know, cause I've, I've also had people come in, you know, behind me, you know, behind a good vendor and they're like, Hey, we do, you know, X in your area. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. Um, I've got a really good company over there. What can you do for me? And they'll walk a store and they'll send me pictures. And I'm like, well, if you can do like, if you can do better than that, um, then let's talk. And a lot of times they're like, well, we can, we can do the same as that. And I, I can't, I can't bounce a, you know, I can't move a vendor out for doing what I asked them to do. Right. That's, that's not fair. But you know, if, if, if some, if some other random vendor walks into my store and sends me pictures and I'm not getting what I paid for, then we have that conversation. Right. But, um, that's how, that's how you kind of keep that honesty. Right. Like if you're not doing what I expect of you at some point, you're going to get told on, right. Somebody's going to, you know, um, that store manager, Maybe the one that says, hey, look, I'm not happy with, I don't think I'm getting what you're paying for here. Um, it might be another vendor that comes in, right? We had a we had a hood cleaning service got told on two weeks ago. Sent us some pictures. Um, store manager was completely upset. Now, I told the store manager, I was like, hey, look, don't get desperate and hit the Yelp next time. You, you know, you have people you can call up here, but I appreciate what you did and let me fix it for you, right? Like, I'm not getting on to you, but I hate that you had to go you know, I feel bad that you had to go outside. Right. So, you know, I mean, I, I, I sewed up the relationship with that store manager, but, um, they had, um, brought somebody in to sort of, you know, um, look at the hood cleaning and I mean, they combed it and they were full. I mean, they had, they had, you know, heavy grease buildup and we had showed that like six weeks before we had had this grease hood cleaning complete grease hood cleaning and the store manager was not confident that this company said that said they were there for less than 45 minutes and had done a, you know, deli hood cleaning. And I was like, yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't sound right. Those guys are usually on site for, you know, a few hours. That's not a, you know, they tarp everything. That's a long process. So, um, you know, you're going to get, you know, that honesty piece will come around to bite you. Um, so, but I, I build those relationships and I build them with those companies that will, continually be after my business and not just after the quick buck. Right. And so you start to, you build those relationships and grow that, that potential out there. And then the operators are talking to you and, and, and the stuff gets bubbled up and yeah, it's, it's daunting sometimes 5,400 sites. Um, I think my entire team right now is about 13 people. So 13 people, you know, working on 5,400 sites. So, um, we do the best we can with what we got, and and um, I think we all love it for that reason. It's it's a continual challenge day in and day out. But Taz, man, it, it's really cool hearing that, and I know we all have uh, you know those those unique situations pop up where you got to be creative, but yet listening to both sides of that equation, you know, from a vendor and and your customer. So really cool to hear that. Um, all we can do is trust in our people and, uh, you know, rely on those relationships to, to take us, you know, to where we need to be, which is to keep the, keep the store open, operating and profitable. So Tyler, I know that we're uh, slipping up here on, on our magic, magic time. What are you thinking? Bumping up against the time, Greg, but another awesome episode and wonderful to hear from, from someone like Taz that, um, has the experience that he does, the longevity uh, in this uh, in this role, and um, some of just like the the broad knowledge base of a guy like that. This has been uh, man another awesome episode. We just keep lining them up and knocking them down, buddy. 
Man, it, it's so much fun though, because you know, I, I mean, you you go into a store and you you know, me, I look around at stuff, duck work and what have you, just because I'm weird like that. But <laughs> you think about in a Walmart how many different things there are, especially those super WalMarts. You got yeah, man. freaking sporting goods, and I mean, you name it, and. To, to know that somebody juggles all those pieces is really cool. So, Tess, thanks so much. Tyler, always an excellent job, my friend. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for letting me be a part of this one, Greg. And everyone out there, thanks for listening. Um, couldn't do it without listeners, all 10 million of you. And so we appreciate you all very much. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes of Straight Outta Crumpton. we got more episodes in the uh, in the back pocket ready to come your way so just uh, stay tuned for that make sure to tell your friends subscribe look out for us on linkedin and everyone we'll see you next time there you go